This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. So much attention is paid to the cyber threat that security professionals tend to overlook other more traditional threats, such as, you know, insider human intelligence threats, uh, but, but also the threat posed by bugs. Scott Stewart, Vice President at Torchstone Global. And it's not just electronic surveillance that can cause you problems. It could be you. How you answer the phone, what information you give out, what information you give out about perhaps somebody who works there or doesn't work there, or even basic hours of operation. Bruce Alexander, president of Security One Solutions, looking beyond the cyber threat. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. Capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, We investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. For years now, we've all been concerned about cyber attacks, governments, private companies, educational institutions, even regular citizens have been worried about being hacked ransomware, malware, the whole bit. But there's something else that everybody needs to be concerned about, according to two security executives we spoke to, and that is electronic surveillance. Scott Stewart, vice president of intelligence at Torchstone Global, wrote a post, a blog, about that very thing that started our conversation. Well, the the idea behind the post was we see so much attention paid today to cyber threats. And and, and granted, cyber threats are very significant. And and of course, attention should be paid to them. However, I believe a lot of times uh, so much attention is paid to the cyber threat that security professionals tend to overlook other more traditional threats, such as, you know, insider human intelligence threats, uh, but but also the threat posed by bugs. How popular of bugs these days. I mean, people do a lot of stuff, as you mentioned, by uh, cyber, but uh, are bugs really that prevalent these days? Yeah, one of the things that, that's interesting, you know, if, if we think of the way that electronics have have been able to uh, become you know much smaller in everything we do, whether it's your you know your uh, Apple Watch or you know even your smartphone, um, electronics have really become smaller, cheaper, and more plentiful. And of course, that applies in the surveillance realm as well. Uh, you know, the, the the audio devices that we're seeing today, the video surveillance devices that we're seeing today, are smaller cheaper and more plentiful and actually even more capable than the devices that, you know, say the KGB or the CIA used during the Cold War. Um, And you can buy these things online. You go onto eBay or these online spy stores or even physical spy stores, uh, and and it's very easy to buy uh, these devices, which is, you know, one of the issues right now that they're just very cheap. And that that lowers the bar to entry for anyone wanting to use uh, bugs. Have you uh, heard or seen or uh, 
been presented with situations where people are concerned or worried about bugs these days? Well, absolutely. And, and you know, when we talk about the, the uh, ease of obtaining these devices now, we're, we're seeing that it's not just something that's, you know, the, the uh, in the province of, of intelligence agencies or even, you know, uh, you know, corporate uh, spies and such. Uh, we're seeing ordinary people that are buying and, and installing these things in hotel rooms and locker rooms and bathrooms and, you know, changing rooms and stores. So uh, we're really starting to see them in a lot of uh, different places. And of course, when it comes to things like, uh, uh, you know, marital disputes, uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, things like bugs and, and car trackers become more and more common because they're just so much more accessible and so much cheaper than they were in the past. Okay, kicking it back upstairs to the national security level, um, bugs p- plus hacks. Uh, are you seeing the combination of this kind of t- idea? Or this kind of tandem used by nation state actors or other influential or serious actors? Oh, absolutely. We need to remember that, that when it comes to espionage, you know, things like, uh, you know, cyber attacks or hacks, things like bugs, things like recruiting human intelligence sources, those are all tools in in the uh, the toolbox. Now, certainly there are some advantages to hacks, right? You, you can do them remotely. Sometimes, you, you know, we see them done from overseas. So, you know, you have these, you know, Chinese APTs or, or criminals in Eastern Europe, uh, you know, they can span oceans and conduct these attacks. Uh, but sometimes there's things that you just can't get uh, from a hack. So you, you need to uh, find another way to obtain that information. And oftentimes that means either recruiting a human source or using something like a bug. Where do people put bugs? Um, where are some of the common places in an office that uh, people that would deploy a bug put them? Well, as far as, uh, you know, locations within a company, obviously, uh, you know, they'll look at things like, you know, conference rooms, CEO offices, you know, labs where, where uh, you know, the very sophisticated stuff is developed. Um, but as far as uh, in items, boy, it can range uh, really from anything uh, today. Uh, you know, they have bugs that look like cell phone chargers. They actually have uh, phones or bugs that look like USB cables. Uh, now you know, that you plug into your computer or that you know to charge a device, they have bugs that look like wall outlets. In in addition to kind of the you know those stereotypical things like you know uh, alarm clocks and smoke detectors and lamps and TVs, uh, but but there's just such a, a wide range of of items. And quite frankly, in, in a lot of uh, cases, you can go into these spy shops and have a bug put into a, a custom item for you. So if there's something that you want to gift uh, for your target, say, for example, something you know they're fond of, uh, you can have a bug placed inside that object and then give it as a gift to your target. Um, and, and they're, again, they're, they're really accessible and inexpensive, which is one of the concerns. How do you counter this kind of threat? Well, uh, I think you know one of the the, the big things is awareness, uh, and, and that's what I was trying to to uh, help with with the article was just to make people aware of the thought you know that they're still out there, uh, and it's not just something uh, you know for custody disputes or divorces. It's not just something that uh, uh, you know demented individuals used to spy on women. Um, you know they're used in uh, a whole number of of ways to include corporate espionage and national security espionage. So awareness. Awareness is important. Secondly, is you know the, is the technical security countermeasure sweeps. Uh, you know, going in there and uh, you know having the technician 
with the right equipment and the proper equipment and training, go through and check those sensitive areas to make sure there aren't bugs in them. Uh, you know, the, the, the sweeps can be... Uh, uh, sometimes, you know, people want to kind of hide the fact that they're happening, but I believe that the, that the knowledge of the fact that a facility uh, is swept can also be a deterrent, uh, you know, for people putting items there. So you may not want somebody to know exactly when you're coming to do the sweep because that could cause them to either, you know, shut something down or remove it. Um, but just the, the general knowledge that there is going to be a sweep, uh, you know, kind of a surprise sweep intermittently, I, I think uh, really can serve as an important deterrent. And it can also help to find things that, that are there. Okay, we've sort of uh, taken this down to the level uh, that anybody can do this. But uh, looking again back at the highest level of those situations and scenarios that would be of concern, um, the U.S. government, obviously. Um, take a look at some of the actors and some of the uh, organizations that might have some of the best or the better uh, skill sets and uh, equipment that may be deployed, and especially cons- because we're here in Washington, who might we need to be concerned about? Well, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, when, when we look at, at that level threat, uh, you know, in that national security realm, that's where we really see the, the whole gamut uh, of uh, of intelligence tools being used together. You know, I think of that case a few years ago uh, that was at the State Department where they had actually recruited a human source uh, to take an item into a conference room inside the State Department. Um, and so the, the sophistication uh, of those devices is obviously going to be higher than what you get in your spy shop. But at the same time, we, we can't lose sight of the fact that, that even – Governments will use, uh, you know, the, those cheaper disposable devices um, because that almost provides them some plausible deniability. Uh, you know, this this can't be the Russian SVR because this is something you bought at a, you know, a spy shop in Hoboken. Um, but but quite frankly, you know, everybody will use, you know, this this array of different devices uh, depending on kind of, you know, their operational necessity uh, and the situation. If you suspect what should you do? If you suspect it's happening at your organization, what should you do? Well, uh, you know, if you do have serious concerns, uh, that's where you really want to pull a professional in uh, and, and somebody that's, you know, both trained and has the, the, the proper equipment to do a proper TSCM sweep. Um, th- you know, there are some gimmicks out there, um, both, you know, things that you can buy in these spy shops that, that claim to detect hidden cameras or claim to detect bugs. And they can sometimes detect some of them, uh, but, but generally, you know, don't, uh, especially if, it, if it's, a, you know, a business uh, type environment, don't count on, on those, you know, you know magic uh, remedies because quite often it, they're just not complete. The same thing with, with any person who claims they can do a TSCM sweep and says that they have a magic box or wand that can detect anything. Uh, you know, that's not how it happens. The professionals that come in and, and do these TSCM sweeps use a variety uh, of equipment uh, to look for different types of devices. Plus, they conduct a very thorough physical uh, inspection of uh, the facility that they're working in. And, and that goes into things like, you know, taking apart light receptacles, wall receptacles, looking, you know, under tables, looking at lamps. So they do a very, very detailed physical inspection in addition to using the technical gear. So, you know, you get some guy that shows up with a box, uh, walks around your office and says it's clean of bugs. That's not really enough to, to really protect you. All right. 
Thanks a lot, Scott. Appreciate the opportunity to chat again. Thanks, JJ. It's always great talking with you. Scott Stewart always has some great ideas and thoughts and perspectives when it comes to security. Another person who does the same thing as well is Bruce Alexander, president of Security One Solutions. We want to talk to him a bit about why people need to snap out of this whole bunker mentality when it comes to just cyber, because there's so much else they need to be concerned about. So we talked to him about that specific problem. The cyber threat is is real and as pervasive as it obviously is. Uh, however, cyber as a threat is only one dimensional. What I mean by that is, is that in totality, there are other sources or potential sources of information and or threat vectors if you will, that in which either cyber is not a part of or cyber is only used to amplify. Uh, so those other types of threats in that domain in the electronic side need to be considered as, as well. And some of them also, by the way, are, are non-electronic, uh, such as the social engineering aspect of it. Do they connect up somehow? And, and they do. They connect up from the larger sense, JJ, in that what an adversary attempts to do. And you can fill in the blank of what the definition of adversary is, but the, but the methodology is what an adversary attempts to do is very similar to what is the U.S. government or any government attempts to do, which is to obtain information from various sources. And whether those sources are electronic sources or human sources or open sources, so they all work together in that particular sense. And so So within the electronics sphere, yes, we have cyber as one modality, but even within electronic, there are other modalities that are used as potential sources of information to obtain information, whether it's used in conjunction with cyber or whether it's used to validate cyber uh, or whether it's used as as to amplify what cyber provides us. That's very interesting. So let's talk a minute about how they would actually, if they chose to deploy some type of electronic surveillance, how they might actually find out where to go. They could do the phishing, the social engineering to figure out where you live or where your office is. Is that right? Sure. Absolutely. And that's 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 the oldest form of uh, of this type of threat that we have well predates technology, certainly. Uh, and that's simply the human to human in, in that particular, uh, at its most basic level, in that particular way that operates is, is that the, whoever the collector is, whether it's an electronic collector, but in this case, we're talking about a human collector, simply uses a pretext of some sort or another to elicit information from somebody else. And what information they elicit is one of two things. What does that potential target possess or might possess or how crafty that human collector is? And so it's, it's simply nothing more than using a pretext in which to obtain information from someone. Okay. Now, you've had clients in the past and you have clients now. What do you tell them about this concern when it comes to the, the availability of electronic surveillance while everybody's distracted with cyber? What are you telling your clients about that? Sure. What the typical advice or I think the most broadly applied advice is to look at these sources of collection, whether it's cyber or or, uh, uh, social engineering, as only being one part of the puzzle. Because oftentimes what will happen is the adversaries will use 
a variety of these systems to include whether it's electronic cyber or whether it's electronic collection. Again, we often talk about the bugs. We often talk about things of that nature and or combined with social engineering all at one time. Again, the intent is you may be able to obtain information from one method that you cannot obtain from another method. The other overlying principle is, is this, the challenge with electronic collection is, is you're, you're just gathering data, if you will, but it doesn't always help you discern intent. And so one of the other ways to discern intent is to interject that human component into that collection platform, if you will, or that collection approach to try to discern intent where you can't always necessarily get that with collection, with electronic collection. One of the things that companies obviously would want to do if they discover or suspect that they're being bugged is to have their place cleaned or swept. What do you suggest? Or how, how, how is that done? Yeah. And, and um, it's absolutely one of those things that, you know, to use that phrase, don't do this at home. In other words, it's not something that <laughs> right. uh, you're going to go down to your local store and, and buy some device or go on Amazon. Some of those things work, but they're very, very basic at the very, very basic level. And typically, if you're the target of an electronic uh, collection effort, the devices that are used are very, very sophisticated in that. So the first thing I always advise someone is hire a professional firm. And what that professional firm will do is to come in and do a sweep. And it's not only going to be a sweep electronically. What they're looking for are, are signatures that emanate from these various electronic devices because it's, it's nothing more at its most simplest level as a form of wireless transmission, right? I'm, and I'm really trying to break it down here. So they're trying to look for things that will emanate electronic signature of some sort uh, the old notion of you're going to lift up the phone and unscrew the base of the phone and find a, a, a phone bug in there of some sort, we're, we're well past that. We're well, well past that. Nowadays, uh, electronics have got the ability to intercept, dial in and use your, your mobile phone as a receiver without you even realizing it or perhaps even implanting it. So not only are they going to do an electronic sweep, but a good firm is also going to look to try to lock down other potential leaks, which is to say, what are their policies and procedures like? One of the things we don't think about is how valuable this is as a means of collecting information uh, in a competitive intelligence environment. Look, worldwide right now, we're talking about hostile intelligence services that are trying to gather information on vaccines. Mm -hmm. At its most basic level, that's industrial espionage of some sort. So firms will look at such things as not only the technology component, but what's the policies and the procedures? What physical safeguards do you have? And also look on, on very at a very basic level, social engineering. For example, how you answer the phone what you, information you give out, what information you give out about perhaps somebody who works there or doesn't work there, or even basic hours of operation. The reality is, is you have to have a sense of somewhat of a sense of a paranoia. So a, a good firm will, again, not only look at it from the electronic hardware standpoint, but they'll also overlay those other policies and procedures. The intent, JJ, is to ensure that there's not one single point of failure in this, whether it's on an electronic device or whether it's social human 
engineering or whether it's a policy and procedure. You know, I get that all the time about being paranoid. And, you know, one of the things that I think is very important, and I think this is what generates that question about paranoia, is I don't think that it's just answering the phone or answering the door that's important when it comes to how much information you give out. But emails as well. I mean, even those that may be legitimate or may seem legitimate, that's one of the things that I constantly tell folks about. And they say, oh, man, you're paranoid. But, you know, a lot of times people reach out via email and, you know, because, you know, we do what we do, um, you know, we we, we get uh, here in the media, we get people that reach out. But uh, it's my view that you have to be a little bit concerned or at least suspicious about every outreach these days. So how do you handle that? Well, J.J., you know, you and I have talked before. And and just by way of reminder, here's what I always tell folks. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they aren't out to get you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So. So how do you handle those kinds of things? Uh, again, JJ, what I think we have to remember is, is this. Anytime we get ourselves into basically a single point of failure in which all we're relying on is one particular defensive mechanism, then you're almost guaranteed that all the adversary has to do is to find the vulnerability in the other form of protection that you're not using. And so uh, I, I, that's one thing I tell folks. The other thing is, is, is assume nothing. Uh, assume nothing that the fact that an email seems you know, innocent on the surface, you have to look at what are you absolutely discern, uh, um, sharing in that particular email, which in fact could simply in itself subsequently be used or, or um, exploited by another electronic platform. That's why I was saying it's, it's not just all electronics. It's going to be a multi-threat approach. That's brilliant, Bruce. Thank you. I appreciate you breaking this down and being so generous with your time because all of this is important, but it's interesting that today we are so busy and so breathless in everything we do in, in whatever we do, whatever our jobs are that we often don't have time to think about any of this stuff now. We just do answer the phone, we answer the door, we answer emails, we answer texts, and then we think, oh, wow, should I have not done that? And so, you know, I appreciate you pointing pointing it out that we we need to be more careful about answering. Glad to help, JJ, and, and add value in any way I can in this important topic. Coming up in our next episode, North Korea's at it again, launching missiles. But there's a problem that an expert says they need to consider. They could miscalculate thinking if they launched another ICBM or Hwasung 15 or maybe even that Hwasung 16, that gigantic ICBM, uh, that this will, and they'll just indicate, well, it's just a test and, you know, and, uh, well, nonsense. Ambassador Joe Detrani, former special envoy from the U.S. to the Sixth Party talks with North Korea said, that miscalculation could be costly. This is this is very dangerous now for the United States and its allies because we don't know what that what that missile could be carrying. A deep look at North Korea's resumption of missile test coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the show, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green, one word at whiskey tango oscarpapa.com. Jgreen at wtop.com. 
Also, we invite you to subscribe to our newsletter. You can do it on the podcast page. Also, if you will, if you're interested, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. And if you want more information on national security, you can sign up for my newsletter. You can find us at WTOP.com slash alerts. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. This is Denny Somak, host of The Rock Podcast. I'm a producer, author, and rock historian, and I want to share with you some of the greatest stories in rock and roll. Well, Bonzo was the best hard rock drummer ever, hands down. I mean, no one comes within a mile of him. And I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. John Lennon had this wise guy look on his face, just like me and my friends were just a bunch of wise guys, street kids. The first guitar I ever had was a um, Spanish guitar, and I couldn't really get the hang of it. I was only 13. I had never written a song before, actually, and uh, so Jim says, okay, everybody go home and write some songs, you know. And so I went, went home and wrote Light My Fire. Join me. For The Rock Podcast, the only podcast that matters. From Podcast One or wherever you get yours. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.